And the time to start, if you're not living your dream, is right now. Start setting goals and setting out where you set in the course of your life and setting it all up so that you get somewhere in the future. When all that comes together, something happens called fulfillment. If you are not experiencing awesomeness in every aspect of your life, it's just from an internal block or barrier disconnect that you've chosen to take on. Life is as easy or as hard as we want to make it. And I got my hands and my eyeballs and my heart around any information I could around holistic healing. And that led me down a never-ending rabbit hole of which I'm still spelunking into the depths of. I needed something like ayahuasca to really wake me up because I was very rigid and very stuck in my ways and very structured and controlling. And my first ayahuasca ceremony cracked my ego in a billion pieces. And uh, that's when I believe when you when we really follow our deepest truth, when we really follow our soul, when we really follow our true calling, the universe rises to support us moment to moment to moment. Welcome to the Holistic Health and Human Potential Podcast. I am your host, Ronnie Landis. I'm an international speaker, author of multiple books, an integrative nutritionist, a transformation and embodiment coach, and simply a man who has devoted most of my life to the study, application, and integration of human potential. And it is my biggest inspiration to bring you weekly episodes that will expand your mind challenge your paradigm, deepen your heart, and help you to embody the greatest version of yourself as I believe you are meant to do something incredible with your life and this podcast exists simply to support you on that journey. Greetings, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Holistic Human Optimization Show. I'm your host, Ronnie Landis, as always. And really, really excited for this special episode. I am joined by my dear friend, Leandra Rose, who is an incredible human being, incredible woman, incredible transformation coach. Um, I'd say probably, a, you know, I don't, I don't know how all the different adjectives she would use to describe herself and her work. We're going to dive deep into that. Um, I think behavioral transformation specialist, behavior change specialist might be one way to explain some of the work that she does. She also goes very deep into different things like familial imprintation, social conditioning um, that we've all taken on and, and people that follow my work, especially over the last couple of years and more recently. That's been a huge point in focus for me that I unabashedly actually just come out and just talk about the deep nuances around the, the parental, whether it's metaphorical, archetypal parental, or bloodline parental imprinting, social parental influences that have played out, um, you know, just in our psychological state, our emotional state, our spiritual directive or spiritual confusion, as the case may be, culturally speaking. And Leandra is an incredible She's an incredible light, incredible embodiment of somebody that not only has done and does incredible work on herself, and I know her personally in depth. So that's one of the reasons I knew that we needed to um, have this conversation uh, because her work is is paramount. It's absolutely priceless. And um, yeah, just really, I just felt like there was a really, really potent and powerful conversation with a variety of topics that we could dive into and uh to start us off welcome to the show thank you honored to be here and thank you for the beautiful introduction i'm excited to have this conversation with you today mm -hmm. yeah beautiful me too it's definitely been a long time coming and uh yeah to start off i mean there's there's a number of things i want to dive deep in with you um i think that that idea of familial and social imprints uh, is a very, very powerful topic, something that we're all working through at various levels. We've all grown up in um, a particular society based on social engineering dynamics, whether you're a man or a woman. We've all been, um, we've all been conditioned in certain ways to think and feel and operate and self-identify which I think the whole process now of transformation and, and spirituality is how do we regain sovereignty 
not of like our egoic kind of self, but how do we how do we actually tap into who and what we really are? And then how do we embody that as a normal default state, right? Instead of kind of the oscillating of like having spiritual epiphanies or transcendent experiences, but then going through the, the yo-yo effect, the oscillation effect, and, um, you know, reverting back into these patterns. And then transformation being this, this kind of approach of like incremental change, and but kind of bouncing back until the, the the ping pong gets thinner and thinner. And then is there a way that we can actually integrate at rapid speed and then become who we really are as the world needs it more than ever? Mm-hmm. So that's that's quite a way to set it up. And I think um, what I'd love to, I'd love to just kind of get a sense of how would you describe your work? I've used a lot of descriptive words. I'd like to get a sense of how do you describe your work and what inspires you about what you do? Mm. How I describe my work. It's exactly what you said. The, the, the essence of it is helping people to connect to their true selves and to be fully embodied in that. And exactly what you said, not oscillating and not having these compartmentalized lives that so many people have. This is how I am at work. And I can't share my spiritual side with work, or I can't share this side of me with my family, but how do we fully integrate the fullness of who we are, show up fully in that as we go to our jobs and and interact with our families especially when we have those familial imprinting, the familial stories, when we go home for the holidays, for example. And it's like, can we bring the fullness of who we are and everything that we've been learning or uh, integrating into our lives, can we bring that to a family holiday and really show up as who we are with all the stories at the dinner table about who we used to be? Right. That's like the ultimate test. I, I think it was, mm-hmm. uh, it might have been Ram Dass who says, mm-hmm. right, you're not enlightened unless you can, how does he say it? You know, they call- you think you're enlightened, go back, spend a week with your family or something like that. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's, yes, the ultimate test is being with our, with our families and really showing up as we are. Mm-hmm. And how I got here was through my own very intense familial uh, traumas and imprinting, growing up in an alcoholic, abusive household, being the sensitive being that I am, growing up in that environment, and really trying to stay connected to that place inside of me that knew the truth of who I was. And at times, it was just a little spark. But that little spark is what kept me curious about these kinds of concepts that we're talking about now, transformation, spiritual growth, personal development, because I knew that was my ticket to staying connected to this essence, even though there was so much chaos, violence, confusion uh, around me. And so I went through that journey and started, uh, my first career was a kindergarten teacher. So I taught kindergarten, but what that actually was, was my training for what I do now. And what that helped me to do, what those beautiful, innocent little five-year-olds helped me to do and see is who we are in our essence, who we are when we're innocent, who we are before school and family and culture tells us what we're supposed to be. And so what I do now is help people connect back to that place, to their true genius, Mm -hmm. to their excitement, their curiosity, their desire to to play and to bring their gifts into the world in the unique way that they were meant to before Mm -hmm. society got to them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. I I love that explanation. And I know that you just co-released a brand new book focused on helping children do just that. Yeah, I co-wrote a book with my beautiful friend, Rhoda Ahmed. It's called Goodnight Wiggly Toes. And she and I used to talk about this. How do we bring this to children? And I used to teach meditation to my students when I was a kindergarten teacher as well. So she and I wrote many books together. And this one is our first one that's been published. 
And it's a, a book about how to say goodnight to the different parts of your body. What the book doesn't say, but what it is, what we can talk about here in this context is it's really to help children who suffer, and so many of them do, suffer from anxiety and, and stress, even at young ages. And so it's called Goodnight Wiggly Toes because it's a way to say goodnight and help to calm those wiggly thoughts and feelings as well as the, the body. So let's talk about that for a moment. So this, this brings up a number of different things for me. One of, the, one of the things that I've been saying for years is that your issues are in your tissues, right? And this is really just kind of a basic invitation to understand that the, 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 psychologi- the, the psyche is built into the, the neurochemistry of the body, the circuitry of the body through our, our brain and how that all the neurophysiology and how all that works there's circuitry that has been wired in particular ways and there's chemical associations that have been basically imprinted. I like that word. It actually literally imprinted into our DNA and into our nervous system, which can lock our nervous system in particular states like fight or flight, freeze, the sympathetic state, um, our organs, for example. You know, there, there's emotions that, are, that, that get stored in specific organs and glands of the body. And so when we're looking at, um, you know, one of the biggest, one of the biggest things that I, I, I felt was a disservice from a lot of the, the so-called spiritual community when I was really getting into it, like seven, eight years ago, getting into these different communities, getting into these different kind of like new ages, new ageish kind of ideas in talking to a lot of the people that were quote unquote following a lot of the teachings. Maybe the teachings were really great, but I found that a lot of people were, like you said, compartmentalizing. They were cherry picking what they wanted and then completely like moving away from like this whole other bulk of things. And for me, like understanding how our body and the mechanics of it operates and then integrating all of these pieces of the puzzle together, I realized that um, you can't get away from the body. You like So the key to actually healing, just from that perspective, is actually based on embodiment. You know, Joe Dispenza will talk about this, Greg Braid and all these amazing luminaries that, that talk about more the quantum mechanics and how to tap into brain states. Ultimately, what I'm trying to get across here is furthering your point with teaching children, which is amazing, which is that we have become dislocated from our body, literally, because, you know, whether we've been through trauma, we've been through wounding, we've disassociated from the sensory system of the body. Makes complete sense. There's no judgment. However, the path towards healing and sovereignty is being able to reintegrate into the somatic sensory system of the body so we can feel not just feel like the emotions per se, but actually feel this thing called an avatar, whatever you want to call it, and actually get connected to this thing, which is coincidentally the acknowledgement that you have a body in of itself is a pathway towards healing the body. So um, those are just some interesting thoughts that just came to my mind from that. But I want to kind of, I just want to get your perspective maybe on what I just said, because I know in, in wherever you'd like to take it, because just the fact that you're this very simple idea of like saying goodnight to parts of your body, it sounds cute. It's like, oh, that's very cute. But there's actually real deep implications that you're supporting and setting these children up for long-term health. Mm, yeah. Thank you for, for saying that, pointing that out. Absolutely. You might be surprised by how many people, when I lead them through some of the embodiment practices, and they sound really simple because, and they are, because our logical mind and our our, um, conditioned mind, we're conditioned to think that it's all so complex and I've got to figure it all out in my mind, when really it's everything that you said. If we can just land in the body, there's so much wisdom here. And that's exactly why I wrote the book, to help kids connect to their body before they lose that connection. And I've had so many clients, when I talk to them about the very simple practice of bringing their attention down into their feet, how many clients I've said, I've heard say something like this, but my feet are so far away from me. 
or I feel like my feet are so far away. And it's like far away from what? Like you are this whole being. And when we are that disconnected from our body, we're disconnected from the incredible innate intelligence that flows in this body that knows exactly how to thrive, knows exactly how to heal, knows exactly how to move emotions. Uh, you know, we, we've talked about this before too, about emotions being just, it's simple energy. It's energy in motion. And when we allow the body to do what it needs to do, it can digest those emotions like very quickly when we're not suppressing it, repressing it, controlling it, hearing it, um, uh, medicating it. Mm -hmm. So many people get disconnected from their body, from their emotions through our over-medication. Yes. Yeah. And me medication isn't just, isn't just a form of an external substance either. Like the, the, what, what's interesting about what you're saying is this is such a great conversation and so relevant to so much of what I've been driving in and weaving into a lot of my work, which is that, you know, when you have a separation or inner divide from within, that's actually the source of trauma. And Dr. Gabor Mate, who's probably one of the, the world's leading child behavioral specialists or basically inner child trauma specialists, and he has a very unique perspective on trauma. And he says that the event that caused the separation is not the trauma, but what we do with the mind and through psychotherapy and these different westernized, mentalized approaches is that we keep telling the story and we keep revisiting the story, which is kind of like the glue to this to the the thing that happened or the sensation. But he said that's not the trauma. The trauma is the separation that had occurred within the person, and the the event was the catalyst. But if we keep trying to recirculate and replay that story, all we're doing is we're non-locally, this is my own word, but just kind of applying a little quantum mechanics, we're non-locally re-experiencing the trauma that happened 20, 30, 40 years ago as if it's chemically happening now without integrating the divide that occurred, which is that split is the trauma itself. Yes, absolutely. And the split happened because we didn't have healthy adults to help us when there was that overwhelming emotion. Yes. The body, the system knew how to protect itself from the, the overwhelming emotion. And so it creates this separation. If we had had healthy adults there to hold space for us to say, it's okay to feel, you're not going to die if you feel this horrible feeling. It's going to pass. Here's how we do it. I'm going to hold you. I'm going to be right here with you while you feel this. Mm. Then it can be fully integrated. Children with healthy adults can experience some really incredible traumas and not have it get locked in their system. Mm. Mm -hmm. And so the key now for those of us who weren't raised by enlightened parents, <laughs> the key now is to receive the kind of support that you didn't get when you were little. So receiving support from a high quality coach or facilitator, therapist who can go into the somatics and who can go into the fullness of that feeling with you yeah. and integrate it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And when I say somatics, I mean into the body, the bodily experience of it. Yeah. So the, as you said, things get stored in, in our body. The memories get locked into all kinds of interesting places. So the pain in somebody's neck, when we go into a meditative state and go into the somatic healing, that pain shows up. And actually what somebody, what clients recognize is that it's a memory. Oh, that's the memory of that time that that thing happened to me when I was seven and I was really scared. Right. And then we, we hold space for it and miraculously it unlocks and unfolds. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I, I've seen this happen time and time again, whether I'm working with clients and taking them through deep breath work, um, meditative embodiment states to actually tap into other altered brain state um, where they, where 
that could, that can actually occur or to sense like, okay, you know, one of the things I'll, I'll, I'll guide people through is like feeling your body and then, you know, just maintaining that rhythmic breath. Cause that's the carrier wave, but where in your body do you feel the, 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 the swelling or the, the, the wound up ball of energy and that feels like fear or anxiety, where is that? And then I'll just have them like feel that while they're breathing and then just imagine that ball unwinding. And then, and then just kind of getting to a point where like that point where you feel that tightness is also the source of your greatest power. Yeah. So there, so that's something I'd like to get your take on this, the simultaneous nature of fear and uh, how do I say uh, whatever, whatever you want to say is the counterbalance to that, like our, our power and our fear and how they're actually, they're, they're, they're unified. They're tied together. Oh my gosh. Uh, I got chills in my body hearing you say that. Absolutely. The, the fear is, it's that place where I was saying when we were little, when we didn't, we weren't able to hold the fullness of the energy that was moving through us. And so we created this fear around that energy. The energy itself is neutral. Right. The energy of the emotion or whatever was moving through is neutral. And it's just our perception of it that creates that limitation. Mm-hmm. This, in this case, being fear, that limitation of fear. Mm-hmm. I have myself and with clients seen so many powerful experiences where someone for example, has a pain in their body that they've had for many years and they've been fearing it. So they've been medicating or distracting or doing any number of things to avoid feeling it because, because pain is a bad thing. Totally. We're taught that pain is a bad thing. And the more that we repress it, suppress it, the, the more painful it becomes. It's like, it's a signal. It's saying, Hey, I need you to pay attention to me. There's something here pay attention. Eventually, when we go through a similar process, what you were describing with your clients, when we really relax and allow ourselves to feel the fullness of what in one moment feels like pain, Mm -hmm. if we really allow ourselves to feel the fullness of it, what happens on the other side of that is phenomenal, miraculous. I've had multiple people have the experience of having that incredible pain, feeling it, and then feeling this rush of bliss fill their entire body. Mm-hmm. Because all it is, is it's this stored up energy, this stored up power that we haven't allowed ourselves to be with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've had clients, for example, with emotional pain, have incredible, painful grief that they feel like if I let myself feel this, if I stop doing the addictive thing that I've been doing to cover it up or the distraction that I've been doing or the workaholic thing that I've been doing to cover up this pain, it's going to overwhelm me. But in a a session with support, being able to go into it and actually feel it, I've had multiple multiple people with grief specifically laughing on the other side of it, going like, how is that possible? They're like, I feel like totally happy, blissful, amazing, totally okay with the loss that I had experienced all those years ago that I've been carrying this grief with for, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's that's absolutely amazing. And it really is, like I've noticed the same thing time and time again, whether it's observing other people's experience or just my own experience. You know, I've, I've had, you talk about imprints. I've had many ancestral imprints. I've, I've gone to the layers and you know me, I'm, I'm quite adept and quite focused at pushing my edges, whether it's voluntarily or involuntarily. Now it's more like, it's kind of like for me, it's, it's using conscious intent to intentionally apply resistance or discipline or whatever the thing is to, to, as a way to grow where a lot of times it was involuntarily. And that's, that's, that might be a conversation based on like the science of the soul and how certain things play out in our experience. Cause ultimately like we have a particular destiny and there's a timeline that our soul is here to get on 
And um, because we all have gifts and, and no, nothing's an accident. So if we are here as an immortal soul in a finite body, there must be a reason and an assignment. And we're here to do something magnificent with our life. But a lot of times we get distracted and we go into these weird rabbit holes of just whatever. And we avoid the destiny. And interesting things I've noticed have happened in my life where like, I, you know, I, there was a mushroom chocolate or something. I thought like, I'm just going to go to a party and it's going to be an enhancement. And that little thing, there wasn't a conscious intent, but then that actually took me through. I didn't end up at the party. I ended up in a six hour kind of processing of ancestral imprints, ancestral pain. That was literally the most painful thing I've ever experienced. And yet it was kind of like, this interesting reprieve of something that had not happened in this life, but I was experiencing it as if it was front row and center. And so I guess the point of me bringing that up is like these imprints, well, there's two points is that your soul is always attempting to guide you on the track and whether, whether you get on board or not, it's like at some point you're just going to get so exhausted of resisting your own destiny that it's like you're going to get an alignment by pure exhaustion or or you can voluntarily align, and 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 that's something I, I definitely want to I want to plug that because that that's not a trivial thing I just mentioned. I think that's a worthy conversation. And then just the other part too is I want to just kind of um, talk about the imprints as well, and maybe they both go together because you know the, the the things that we experience in our life as emotional responses or stories or. Um, psychological pain. Everybody has their own unique temperament and their own unique uh, flavor of what they're dealing with, right? Nobody does not carry a weight at some point in their life. And so my thing is like understanding that, that there are these imprints and that there's one level of it is social conditioning, parental conditioning. Then, then there, then after you move through that, then there's other layers that are deeper into the journey of the soul and what that has for us. And so um, I'll, I'll leave it there. I'll let you take it. I know I just threw, threw a, a good amount at you. Yeah. Um, what was coming through for me as I was hearing you say that all of that is what we've been talking about, like stepping into your power and your purpose and how that relates to the imprinting. Because the ancestral imprinting that most of us received was it's not okay for you to be in your power, your, your purpose. It's not okay for you to be an individual. Basically we survive together as a tribe. We act the same way. We eat the same things. We behave this way for survival. And that made sense to our ancestors. It's thank you ancestors for banding together and for, for, giving up your individuality to create that interconnected tribe. Like, thank you for that. And now we don't, we no longer need to give up who we are as individuals in order to survive. And so that code, that program is no longer useful, but it's locked inside of our system because of how long it was trained into our bodies, into our DNA. And then it was also repeated culturally and socially by our parents. And so we have this really phenomenal, unique opportunity right here, right now to wake up to who we really are, to see that that is just a program that's no longer serving and to be able to, as you said, we can either roll around in our resistance of becoming who we are because we are clear that that program is no longer useful. It is no longer useful to give up who you are as an individual in order to survive. In fact, we need each person's individual genius in order for this planet to survive. There's a new imperative. The new imperative is that each and every single person and their genius is here for a reason and we need to wake up to that. So there's this real like evolutionary imperative happening and that's what that resistance, when we meet that resistance, that's why it's so intense right now. And the beautiful thing is we have a choice. 
we can choose now to see that that code, that program is no longer useful, and we can choose the practices, the the embodiment work in order to move through that and move through that fear of our own power and our purpose to become who we are here to be and to solve the problems on this planet that are here right now. We don't have time to wait for another generation. Like we got to wake up right now. That was incredible. And um, to the last point you just mentioned too, there's a doctor, I'm looking at his book right now, um, Dr. Alberto Villaldo. And um, I don't know if you're familiar with his work, but um, he wrote a book, Regrow Your Body, and many other books. He's um, a psychologist slash shaman. And um, basically, one of the things that he said in a recent interview that I thought was incredible, and it points, it points to exactly what you just said, which is that there is a new human being that has been prophesized and emerging called Luminous uh, Homo Luminous. Right. And he talks about the luminous body, which is basically, you know, your biofield, right? Your aura. Um, and he said, and one of the points he made is that, that the homo luminous archetype is not the indigo children or the crystal children or the future, the future generations. It's us right now. Mm-hmm. So this tendency to put even the spiritual world, they do this all the time, which is like, no, we're going to do this for the children. Like, yeah, for sure. And if that's even a reasonable intention, we have to do this for us right here and right now because there is no tomorrow. It's not guaranteed. Like when you really understand what's actually occurring on the planet, we can't be in this passive, like, 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 like hope, hopeful energy of like, oh, well, you know, everything is perfect. Everything's just going to work out. I'll just chill here with Netflix. It's good. It's like, no, all hands on deck. And that's part of the drama of this reality, too, is that there is this level of certainty and uncertainty. I'm certain that I have the power within myself to heal myself and to bring my full self online. And I have a certain level of uncertainty of what that's going to require. So there's both of these things playing out together, which creates the fertile soil for growth and evolution because if we didn't have uncertainty then you know it it just it's like why am i playing the game why am i even like there's no there's no like there has to be some level of this dramatization and i mean that in a in a useful way i mean that in a healthy way like when we go see a movie for example is where we are a movie for something else most likely so when we go see a movie there's all these these there's this kind of like emotional roller coaster there's this uncertainty there's somewhat of a certainty but you don't quite know and you're kind of at the edge of the seat well what if our lives are like that what if there is a deeper meaning and an existential meaning to our day-to-day lives that either we tap right into or we imbue upon ourselves to increase the meaningfulness of our life and i'll end on this because you got you really you really got me excited with that which is like I think one of the biggest issues in our society is the crisis of meaning. Mm. And so no matter how much we mentalize and we know how good something is for us, we know, you know, we should be doing this, this, and this. There's a reason why we don't do what we know to do. And I think it's this thing of meaning, like there's a sense of nihilism and meaninglessness, like, oh, well, everything's everything's going to work out anyways. And it's like, okay, so I don't need to do anything or nothing's working out. So there's nothing I can do. And both of those extremes need to collapse into this, this, this unified, this unified thing, which Deepak Chopra basically said in one of his talks, he said, I used to be really fatalistic until I realized, well, since I'm here, I might as well do something. And it's like that energy of, right. That's where it starts for a lot of people. For some of us, it's like, we're well beyond that. But some, some days we have to remind ourselves of like, well, as long as I'm here, as long as I'm here right now in this, this, this time in human history, I might as well do something to push the needle as much as I can. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And I want to go back to what you were saying a bit ago about the, the drama and that being a part of this this meaning and you're absolutely right the the drama the tensions the the journeys that we go through the constant cycle of the hero's journey 
is exactly what evolution has created for us as humans to be able to move through so that we can expand our awareness, consciousness, um, to expand who we are as beings into this new human being that we're becoming. Um, something else I wanted to say about that. It's the, it's the tension and the contrast that actually helps to, to push us through to the next level of evolution. And the, the image that I get is like um, a seed growing, like the amount of power and uh, determination that a seedling has to have in order to break through its shell and break through the darkness of the soil and crack through to grow and to flourish is an immense amount of, of energy. And that's what we, are, what we are facing, is that cracking through of that shell. 100%. 100%. And, that, and the, the great thing about that, that narrative is that you have a story one way or another, right? We all have a story. You don't get to live in this, this kind of mythic reality without some form of a narrative to guide uh, so I, maybe your narrative is that I get up every day and I go to work. That's still a narrative. That's some sort. It's not great. It's not very creative, but it is a narrative, right? Or what happened to me and all these the imprints, right? And the stories associated with that. These are all ways to narrativize our experience, which storytelling is part and parcel to the human experience. So that must mean that I can create a new narrative for my experience. I can collapse timelines and I can collapse the, the future probabilities or potentials into the present moment by experiencing what it is that I aspire, I aspire to be an experience in the future. I can use certain modalities and practices in states of awareness to align myself, thought, word, and deed as that being. And then I can start to anchor that in by being consistent with congruency. And that's how I've kind of summed it up now because it's like we're, we don't have time to go back into our past and try to like pull out like, okay, let me get a little thing out of here. No, that doesn't even exist. Like I, I can't even talk about last week it, because I'm so right here and I'm like mer I'm doing my best to merge here and there, there being future, merge these things together so who I'm being is representative and embodied with who I desire to be, right? And that shifts through all these weird incongruent discrepancy patterns inside of us that lock us into these self-defeating behaviors of the past. Um, yeah, because the truth is, the stories that you've believed up until this point were also practiced and believed. Right. And for most of, for all of us, from the ages of zero to seven, we picked up these ideas about ourselves as though they were fact. And so most of us are living our lives from this developmental stage, zero to seven, when we didn't know anything about the world. We didn't know that we had a choice about who we are. We didn't know that what was happening to us with our families, our parents, or our teachers was just an unhealthy projection of the adults that we were being taken care of by taking care of by um and so we can absolutely now choose something new and different and practice being who we want to be and it absolutely starts with the embody with the embodiment with the energetics with the mindset mm -hmm. so i'm aware of time right now and i want to definitely open up some space for any particular, any particular um, insights, themes that you really want to share? Because there's so much, and this has really just been like a flow of a flow of consciousness between two of us, and it's been an amazing download so far. Um, are there any are there any insights or practical tools that you utilize either with yourself or with your clients to support people in that embodiment process? Mm. Embodiment is the key. And what I mean by that, what I think you mean by that, is actually feeling the physicality of this body. 
the physicality in the the sensations of being in this body, literally like just touching your feet, honoring your feet, um, and feeling the sensations of emotions and energy as it moves through and approaching it from a place of curiosity and openness rather than a place of fear or that things need to be fixed, including emotions and sensations that might at first seem like pain or discomfort. Like actually welcoming those Mm -hmm. is the absolute first thing and is profound when it comes to this embodiment process, being able to fully feel what's happening inside. So embodiment for sure. Grounding, actually going out onto the earth and just being with the ground. I mean, and we, you and I, I'm sure we could go into the science behind earthing, but just giving yourself the opportunity to put yourself, connect to the earth and to connect to, as I look out at the trees, to connect to the same wisdom that flows in nature that knows how to make that seed come out of the deep, dark earth and mm-hmm. crack and become a beautiful forest. Mm-hmm. It's the same wisdom that flows inside of us. And the more that we can connect with nature, connect with our true nature, the more we can allow this natural thriving to happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100% agree. Mm-hmm. And breath, breathe, my goodness. I know that so many people who in our society who are so stressed and so disconnected from their bodies forget to breathe or they're breathing very shallowly. And all these things can sound so simple, but they are really foundational. Mm-hmm. Connecting to your body, breathing deeply, allowing yourself to feel everything that you're feeling. Those are some of the first foundational key elements. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. I want to get your perspective on self-mastery. Um, we haven't announced this yet, but um, you and I, with a few other amazing individuals, are all going to be leading a holistic life mastery retreat in Kauai coming up in early 2020. More details on that to come. And um, I know you've had a theme of self-mastery in your work. It's definitely been a huge theme of my life and my work. Um, I'd love to get your perspective on that because a lot of people that may not have been raised as a martial artist, may not have been raised as a, an athlete or a performer or something where that, that discipline and that lifestyle, especially as a very young, going, you know, be, being raised in a, a disciplinary type of practice, that may not that may not land for some people the way it might land for you and I or something. So I'd love to get your perspective on, you know, even this word discipline, like I think discipline is one of the most important words that people need to really develop a a, a relationship with. And I know a lot of people like, no, it's discipline. Don't discipline. Great. Whatever you want to call it. The fact of the matter is delaying gratification or delaying impulsivity is one of the one of the tools for transformation and just success in anything. You know, you have to have a disciplined attitude towards life. And um, so, anyways, I just want to get your take on that. What does that mean to you? And um, how do you practice self mastery in your life? Yeah. So, so I love what you said about self mastery being an ongoing discipline. So, self mastery is not an end point. It's actually a way of being. So you're never self-mastered, it's self-mastery because we are all in this evolutionary process together and moving through all of the evolutionary stages that we're going through. And so it's, it's a process. And the word discipline works, uh, but definitely people have a lot of resistance to the word discipline. It sounds like, wait, you mean I'm supposed to put myself in uncomfortable situations and make myself uncomfortable when I could just sit back and watch Netflix or, you know, some pills that'll take the edge off. And I, no, I just want to be comfortable. Right. Right. Um, so I love the word discipline. I also really love the word devotion. I see. Thank thank you. I love, I I think that that really is the higher quality virtue. 
Because devotion isn't about pushing ourselves into something uncomfortable. It's about devoting ourselves to something higher. Mm. Self-mastery is about connecting to who we are in our truest essence, the wholeness of who we are. And literally only the individual knows that. And that's kind of the problem that we're all dealing with right now as we go through this transformational process is figuring out who we are because we took on all these ideas from everybody else. Mm. So self-mastery is about connecting to that essence, the truth of who we are. And so the processes to get there are whatever helps us to go inward. For me, meditation, being in nature, uh, fasting, taking time away from whatever the distractions are, whether it be food, social media, the city, fasting, going away for a couple of days or just going inward for a couple of days and really being in the energy of your own being. Mm -hmm. And what else did I want to say about self-mastery and devotion? Mm. And devotion is really, it's a daily practice. It's a daily commitment to be who you are, mm. despite what the world has told you or is telling you. Mm. Circumstances don't matter anymore. It's really about coming into with who you are beyond the circumstances yes. yeah. of the past or the present. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yes, so beautifully said. I couldn't agree more. And I love, I love the distinction when I think of discipline and obviously I have a certain temperament that really works for me. That's how I was raised. And that's how I got myself out of potentially long-term detrimental situations, like getting caught up in drugs as a teenager and, you know, distracting with chasing girls or whatever you t boys do. Like it was the discipline and falling in love with the discipline which ultimately, when I think about it, there was a devotion. The higher path was, you know, becoming the best martial artist I could be, becoming an Olympic champion. Um, like, I had such a vision kind of catch me in a state of rapture at a very important time in my life where it could have easily gone two different ways. And so I, I look at it as like a safety belt. Um, because it is very subtle. And in the society we live in, we are not, we are not, neurologically adapted for the level of abundance that we have. And everyone's like, I want to be more abundant. It's like, but there's two sides of it. It's like, do you know what to do with the amount of choices and options you have? Because, you know, dating websites and, and like, um, immediate gratification, every single food option you could ever imagine, like we are not adapted to this level of optionality where we can choose our own experience like that. And that's why I bring in this thing around disciplining and delaying immediate gratification because we literally, from a neurobiological perspective, we have, culturally speaking, and many of us individually have blown out certain receptor sites that are associated with reward and the, and the satisfaction that comes for working for something instead of just bypassing and going right into the pleasure reward system of the brain and getting that immediate stimulation and then basically going limp and metaphorically and physically in some situations, right? My guys know what I'm talking about. It literally hijacks the brain where really to me, at least in my experience, my fulfillment and satisfaction has always come from not getting the thing, but what it took of me to get there. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Because in our, in our society, we've been trained to focus on the achievement instead of the pleasure and the process. Yeah. Yeah. Just having pleasure in the actual process yeah. is profound. Like, can you just be day to day with the enjoyment of being in this body moving towards whatever it is? And I love your story about how you came into where you are and your history with martial arts, because even though in this moment, you're not, I know that you're still practicing, but you're not living the life of an Olympic athlete right now. 
but that joy that you followed is what helped you to become who you are, to become the teacher that you are now guiding others. So it's not the end result. It's following the breadcrumbs of your excitement moment to moment into uh, onto this path that then unfolds in unknown ways. One hundred percent. That's exactly spot on. That's so spot on. And, you know, um, you know, we're kind of like reaching the conclusion point, but like this topic is so rich and it's so exciting because just from my direct experience of even what you brought up, I've been processing just certain things have been coming up in my training because I've been pushing my training a lot more and certain things that from way back when, like 10 years ago, have been popping up in my consciousness as I've been pushing. So like for me, waking up in the morning, going right into my meditative kind of integration process with my breath work, going to the gym and lifting weights, it's not because I'm in competition anymore, right? It's mm-hmm. actually because I enjoy the art of disciplining myself to a higher ideal. And you can say like, oh, well, lifting weights, like what's the higher ideal? Well, the higher ideal is that I get to overcome myself right now. Every opportunity that I get to overcome myself presents a sense of satisfaction that carries over into my day. It spills over into my week. It it, it becomes who I become. And then when life throws a curveball at me, I'm not reacting. I'm not ill-prepared. I'm not emotional or whatever. It's like it comes and I'm prepared because of all the work that I've done. So in a sense, I'm actually training for life, if you want to think of it that way. But there's, there's just this very deep level of fulfillment and satisfaction that I experience through that. And yeah, I guess the way I'll break that down is that just the words that we're using. I, to me, the way that I experience is the discipline is the daily behaviors. I'm disciplining my behaviors to be congruent to the devotional aspect, which is the higher virtue. But I can't just think about that and meditate on that and just like, okay, it's just happening. I gotta, I have to, I have to embody that piece by piece. So either when it happens, I won't self-sabotage it, right? Or its probability is it's gonna happen and probably a lot quicker. One piece that you just said that I think is so important is you said something about the depth of fulfillment. So it's not about instant gratification. It's about the depth of fulfillment moment to moment. It's not about, it's not even about delaying gratification as much as it is actually finding what's truly gratifying. Right, right. Right. Which in the short term, if you do have an addictive tendency or developed an addictive relationship with something, it kind of has to look like that in the beginning because you're reworking those grooves. Those are those are deep in there. And so there is that we talked before we got on the call, this withdrawal process and being with and that's really where the breath work and the presencing and the, the compassion comes in of can I be present to what I'm feeling as I'm. I'm disassociating chemically from what I have become so bonded to that old identity, the stories, the the pleasure centers, whatever it is. Can I go into the unknown and be with that as I'm, I'm shifting into my higher self? Yes. And many people who go through this or who, who get to that place, either experience, either experience the death the death process, which is what it feels like. Most people explain that. It feels ego death or whatever, the the death process and rebirth process. Mm -hmm. Or so many people are getting stuck right there. It's like they're getting stuck in the the birth canal. That it's too too scary. And so they just keep repeating the same old Mm -hmm. unsatisfactory Mm -hmm. patterns, even though, even though it's unsatisfactory and they know it, the fear of the unknown, the fear of going through that portal of transformation is so intense that they, they stay stuck. And that's where receiving high quality support from people who've been through that birth canal, from people who are experts in being able to move 
others through that fear or move themselves through that fear as, as you and I have continually, mm-hmm. because it's not a one-time thing. What we're going through right now as humans, right now. rebirth right now, it's rapid. And it takes willingness to die to those old habits, those old addictions over and over and over in order to emerge and be the fullness of who we are meant to be and bring those freaking genius ideas that people have inside of them to solve the problems on this planet before it's too late. Oh my gosh. I love you. Yeah. Yeah. So, so well put. So well put. I love that analogy of the birth canal. And it it really is that. That really is the perfect analogy and that is the experience and i'm speaking from firsthand direct experience i know you you have your own as well and the people that we support it is interesting to watch people oscillate and get stuck in that in between so it is a real phenomenon it's not just a mental thing or like oh just change your mind it's like it's a very fully immersed experience and it's trickery it's tricky territory to navigate if you don't have a trusted guide, whether that's like in the, the idea of the shaman or just a coach or someone that can guide you through whatever that particular experience at that moment in your life is, so you can pop out the other end. Um, I really love that analogy. And um, we, um, we have a few minutes left here. So I just want to give space to any, any emerging insights that, that you'd like to share with everyone um, from this conversation. There's so much that you and I could talk about. I feel like we've just like literally just got warmed up, Um, but there will be more. Um, So yeah, if there's anything that you'd love to share with everyone before we check out. Just that I just want to speak to the unique genius inside of, each person who's here listening that I know fully trust that no matter what the circumstances are in your life, that it is absolutely perfect. And that the discomfort that you may be feeling is the perfect stepping stone or, or signpost for you to tap into your genius. It's not actually deterring you. It's not limiting you, whatever those circumstances are, are the exact portal to your purpose and your power. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Frederick Nietzsche said, it's through being wounded that we develop power and power becomes enormous. Mm-hmm. So that, that is the access point. And I think we've really spoken to that in many different ways. I really appreciate your genius, your brilliance, your wisdom, and your state of embodiment that you bring to everything that you do in my experience of you. So just want to acknowledge you. Thank you. Um, and also where can people find more about your work? How can they connect with you if they're moving through the birth canal and they need to pop out the other end? Uh, yeah, you can find me at leandrarose.com and I actually have a sweet meditation there that helps people go into their heart, which is what we're talking about. We're really talking about getting out of the mind and into the body and into the heart, into our divine purpose. So I have a beautiful meditation there at leandrarose.com for people to connect to their heart space and start to connect to the, the true essence of who they are. And I'm on Instagram, Leandra, I got something blowing in my face, leandra.delaflor on, on Instagram as well, where I share a lot. Um, and here on Facebook too. Beautiful. Yeah. Once again, thank you so much for joining me, sharing your wisdom, and uh, I look forward to connecting soon. Thank you. You too. So this is really important for all of us to understand. The last thing I'll mention about the dopamine pathway reward system is that this is the access point for us to develop our greatest power because ultimately – Dopamine locks in the habitual pattern of the addictive behavior itself, always seeking that immediate gratification, that immediate um, pleasure in order to override temporary discomfort. Now, if you understand that in order to experience pleasure, 
or I should say it this way, in order to have a reward and the whole point of a reward or achievement or achieving a goal is that it requires us to go through a process of growth or trans transformation. There's an initiation. If we can hack that system and just get gratification out of the gateway anytime we desire it, we weaken ourselves and we actually are hijacking the natural reward system that's based on enduring temporary discomfort. Um, that's why taking a stoic, aesthetic perspective to sexuality is actually really important. And I want to say that I totally, I totally resonate with sexual liberation and, and women's rights, men's rights, human rights, to do whatever it is that we want to do, as long as it feels in alignment with our heart and our soul, and we're conscious enough to make the healthy decisions that are going to be supportive and healthy or not based on emotional reactivity and wound patterns and to avoid our, our trauma but are based on the healing of our trauma, based on empowerment, and also require us to step up and overcome prior aspects of ourself because when we do that, then whatever reward or achievement that we get it's an enduring experience and something that we can we can repeat and uh, it's something that's satisfying. It's something that's rewarding, right? And it helps us become a better person. It doesn't weaken us and cause us to lose that valuable self-respect that is um, one of the biggest issues in our civilization right now. And this is only one of the main, main reasons why that is. So... Uh, that, that is a perfect place to conclude this. I would say if this really resonates with you and you do have, um, challenges with pornography, sexual, um, compulsions, things of this nature, this is very real. This is all very real. None of this should be frowned upon or looked with shame or anything. This is just something we need to get a handle on and understand how to evolve out of the social engineering that we have been, um, domesticated through. And, um, you know, just, just look into it. There's so much information now on how to take care of yourself, how to rebound, how not to relapse when, you know, you're going through the self-empowerment process in the, the withdrawal process. If you're getting off porn, you've been on it for a while, there will be withdrawal symptoms. If you've been attaching to other people for emotional validation, when you separate yourself and you go into more of a stoic space of self-identification and self-exploration, there will be withdrawal symptoms. So don't be confused about that. Just expect it so you can process that emotional content and whatever comes up for you in a space that's safe. If you need to communicate some of these things that you've been holding in the closet with a partner, I really recommend that you do that in a space that feels safe or communicate with somebody, maybe another man, another woman. Um, so you can integrate the polarities that have been um, disintegrated, that have been compartmentalized, that have been shooed underneath the rug. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to end it right there. I hope that this episode was valuable. This is a vulnerable one. This one, most people would not go here. Um, but I had to go here. If we're going to talk about life force principles and we're going to really talk about maximizing and optimizing our human experience, this is one of the most por potent portals to do it. And uh, it may be a taboo topic for some, but it's just really part of the human experience to me at this point. And um, no different than talking about a heroin addiction if we're talking about um, or a pharmaceutical addiction if we're talking about pornography. And the polarity perspective on masculine femininity is super, super critical in understanding how we have been socially conditioned as men and as women to compete with one another and create inner division within ourselves. when ultimately the healing of the planet is going to come through sacred union and sacred sexuality matured into healthy spiritual energy that can be directed into creating the new world, not breaking down the possibility of a new world by perpetuating old behaviors and patterns of division and conflict and competition. So again, hope you enjoyed this episode. 
take care of yourself, take care of each other, and uh, look forward to the next series, which is the mind-body connection. You are going to be absolutely blown away by what we go into, and um, can't wait. So we'll connect on the next episode. I hope you enjoyed this fascinating episode of the Holistic Health and Human Potential show. Before you head off, I want to invite you to go to my website for further podcast episodes and tons of free content on holistic health, natural nutrition, and human potential. Please go to www.ronnylandis.net to find out how to take your health and your life to the next level. And also, I want to encourage you to leave a five-star review for this podcast on our iTunes page, which will help me in my mission to get these inspiring messages to millions of people throughout the world. I thank you so much for your support, and I look forward to continuing to provide amazing conversations and content on holistic health and human potential.